Good morning, Joy Church. How are you guys doing today? Good to see you. How many of you ate way too much turkey this week and you're not apologetic, you're just admitting it? Let's just be transparent. We ate too much, but we, we're not sorry, we're thankful. Gratitude and gluttony go together, right? Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. Did you have a great week with friends and family? Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving so much that we did it twice because we went to Bethany's family early and had dinner, supper, lunch, luncheon, brunch, breakfast, something. We had it at, I think, 11, and then we went to my family's house and ate about three. And so we were able to get that layer, that foundation built and build it up. Well, I'm not sitting down because I'm injured. I mean, I was out there playing for the Beavers last night. That's why they got crushed. Just kidding. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'll just leave it right there. Um, I was going to wear a raincoat today, but I decided not to. Some of you will get that. Okay, uh, I'm sitting down because today we're going to have what I call a table talk, table talk. And uh, I had the opportunity to, to grow up in a great family, and I had some, I have some. They're not, they're not gone. They're still here. <laughs> they just don't live in Eugene. My parents, uh, Steve and Kim, are in Medford. And, uh, and I remember coming home uh, from, from school, coming home from, from whatever I was doing, and my parents would be sitting at the table. And as a young person in need of wisdom, I would sit down at the table, and we would, I would ask my mom and dad a question. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And we would sit down at the table, and we would talk about life. And we would talk about what was wise and what was, what was good and what was helpful. And the conversation wasn't always about what is sin or what's not sin. Sometimes the question isn't about sin, it's about wisdom. Hello. People come to me and say things like, well, what do you think the Bible says about alcohol? Should, should you drink or not? I say, look, this is, the Bible does say don't be drunk, but alcohol is not necessarily just a sin issue. It's a wisdom issue. Let's talk about you, your circumstances, your situation, your goals. What is the wise thing here? And there's a lot of questions in life that are about wisdom, not necessarily about sin, right? It could be about both. But today we're going to have a table talk and we're going to talk about, we're going to, going to hopefully give you some wisdom. Uh, and you could take it or leave it if you're like, hey, this isn't really that wise. I'm not listening to this kid up here in his hipster flannel shirt and farming boots. Um, but I believe out of the word of God, we're going to give some wisdom principles and really equip you in the area of dating, which is something that is a little scary, isn't it? Uh, my wife and I have been married for 10 years and we're so thankful because over the, the week, we were able to observe a couple that's in the beginning stages of, of, of figuring it out. And we're like, oh my gosh, we're so grateful that we're not there right now. Because it's exciting, but it's also scary, right? Kind of like going over a waterfall in a kayak is exciting, but also scary. And you don't know exactly how it's going to go. And we're just grateful to be in this stage that we're in. But for those of you that are, that are wanting to be in a relationship or beginning to start a relationship or wherever you're at, we're going to talk about dating as part of our Loveology series. So that's what we're doing here, having a table talk about dating. Are you ready? I want to say welcome to Joy Church UO. Some of you over there at UO, they're really listening in this morning because they're like, I need to dial in, focus, amen, I need a man, I need a, okay, I need a relationship. So we're going to jump in today and talk about dating. It's interesting in our culture that we, we do something people call date around. We, we date around. Have you heard this statement before, this kind of phrase? And I find that to be so interesting because it's like treating love like gambling. Like I'm put a little bit on red, a little bit on black put a little bit here, a little bit there, and I'm going to hope for a good result. And if you know anything about gambling is that the house always wins, right? That when you treat love like this, relationships like this, that you're not going to get necessarily a good result. Now, some people get lucky, right? That's the thing. Some people do win at gambling, and then they go back and they spend their winnings later. No one's ever built a fortune uh, gambling because eventually the house always wins, right? 
Am I right? So dating, if we treat it like gambling, um, we're going to have a problem if we're just dating around. I'm just hoping for a good result. Put some money here, put some money there, hoping for a good result. I, I want to I go and, and, and uh, advocate a different way, um, something that I like to call intentional dating. This is different than dating around, hoping for a good result. Intentional dating is about dating with the end in mind. It's about pursuing romantic relationships with a, a godly, righteous outcome in mind, right? And that, that outcome being marriage. So dating around is dating for dating. Dating intentionally, intentional dating is about dating to get married. It's about saying, this is why I'm doing this. I'm actually engaging in these relation, this relationship or these relationships for a particular purpose, not just to, to satisfy a certain need that I might feel, not just to, to try to hope to get lucky. Uh, I don't mean that in the way maybe. Okay, it works both ways. <clears throat> That's on the, yeah, <laughs> we'll move forward. Oops, okay, so dating on purpose, dating with intentionality, dating to get married, not just dating to date, but dating with the end in mind. And I think that dating with the end in mind, what we call intentional dating, is a lot more loving than the other way. Because dating with the end in mind, dating to get married, dating to get, uh, it's not dating just to get something out of another person. It's, it's dating for the purpose of seeing, are we called together? Are we called to build a life together? Are we called to enter into this miraculous, uh, mysterious, amazing relationship that we call marriage? We're going to talk all about that next week about marriage. But it's about setting each other up for success when we date this way, when we go this direction in our, in our dating. That's what intentional dating is. You know, we talked about God's kind of love. It's agape, right? And agape love is the kind of love that always wills and works for the good of the other person, regardless of your personal feeling. And this kind of love does not use another person to satisfy a need or, or a perceived need. Come on, somebody. God's kind of love isn't just like, well, you have something I want, whether that's physical or, or something else or emotional. You have something I want, and so I'm gonna get something from you. God's kind of love is, is saying, I wanna help you succeed uh, in, in, in every way that I, that I operate with you. And this applies in the area of dating, right? So if somebody says, hey, what's the Bible say about dating? The Bible doesn't say anything about dating because nobody dated at the time period that the Bible was written. So if you're looking for chapter and verse about dating, you won't find it. You find some stuff about arranged marriage, right? If you're interested in that, we could help you out, find some verses, get a life verse. And then my father sent a servant. And, and some of you are like, hey, arrange it. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Just pick somebody for me and set it up, Pastor Jake. Um, but that's, in our culture, dating is something that we engage in as a, as a pursuit, right? And intentional dating, I think, is so much more loving. We're, we can do God's kind of love a lot more in that context. But let me start here. I want to give you three bad reasons to start a relationship. Are you ready? Three bad reasons to start a relationship. Number one, loneliness. And as we know, and we talked, Bethany did a great job talking about singleness. You don't need a spouse or a mate to be fulfilled. You don't need a spouse to be valuable, that's, that's a lie. But sometimes you want a spouse. Any single people here like, come on, I'm lonely. And that's okay. Because God did make you for a relationship. Even if being single, you're, you can be fulfilled, yes. But there is a part of us, maybe you want to get married. Maybe you'd like to be in a relationship. And so you experience loneliness. And that's okay to, to admit this. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We live in this culture with online dating services and people are finding spouses. And I used to be like, no, that's awful. It's horrible. And actually, I've kind of changed my mind. I'm like, you know what? If, if God can use um, all kinds of different ways, he can send a servant on a camel to go find a spouse or somebody. He can use a website, right? Now hear me out. There's some ways to do this in a wise way, okay? But the loneliness, though, is something that we feel and that's okay. But loneliness is not a good reason to start a relationship, 
You see, this is based on a myth. If I think that, well, if I get in a relationship that you have something, I have a need, and you're going to meet it, and you're going to satisfy me, that's not true. Bethany talked about this last week, that we think, oh, I need someone to to fulfill me, or I need someone to satisfy me. They'll they'll fix me. That's a bad reason to start a relationship. So maybe you're lonely. That's okay. Let God work through your loneliness and bring you the right person and let you and, and help you get to that place of finding the right person. But loneliness by in and of itself is not a good reason to start a relationship. So if you're just starting a relationship because of loneliness, it might not work out the way you want it to. Second bad reason to start a relationship, fear of being alone. And I think this comes out of loneliness, but there's a level where I'm lonely. I want to get married. I want, to, I want a relationship. But then it hits a certain point when you're like, oh God, um, I'm, my, my body parts are shriveling up and I'm, I'm going to die alone. And we hit this point, don't we? And we have this fear, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're not admitting that that's you. I'm just saying this is a real thing. Or you're afraid that, that you're going to miss out or, or all the good people are going to get taken or whatever. But there's fear. That's not a good reason to start a relationship. Okay. Another bad reason to start a relationship, which our culture, this is where we're all at, is lust. We talked about the word eros, physical desire. It's okay to have physical desire. It's okay to think, man, she's, she's beautiful or he's, he's handsome. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And God built that even into your biology, that physical desire. But if that's the only reason you're pursuing a relationship, it's not going to turn out the way you want it to, right? So those three things, they might be realities in our life that we feel if we want to get married, we want to start dating, but those are not good reasons to start a relationship. So let's talk about the wise way to date, the wise way to pursue intentional dating. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to give principles today. You could take it or leave it. I think these are great principles, um, and I think they come out of the Word, and I think that they're, they're, they're going to lead you to have some success, but I'm not talking about sin like, hey, if you don't do it my way, then you're, you're going to burn forever. No, I'm not, it's not what we're talking about today. Uh, we're talking about principles and wisdom, okay? Are you with me? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Farming and dating. Yes. Farming and dating, because we know those are intrinsically linked, right? That's where I wear my farming boots. These boots are not capable of doing farm work. They're from Forever 21. They would fall apart. <laughs> these are, I'm like, an, these are show boots. Okay. Farming and dating, farming and dating. I want to talk to you about farming and dating. Proverbs 24, 27, it says, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. And if you're going, where's dating in that? It's in there. Well, where? Well, just wait for it. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. We're going to talk about farming and dating. This verse was written to ancient Israelites. This verse was written to people that are in a very dramatically different culture than us, but they would have understood some things out of this that maybe we don't see right on the surface, things that are, are maybe a little bit down in, in there. But I want, to, I want to open up this context a little bit to us. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. The house in ancient Israelite culture, and even we use it this way, they're talking about, yes, a physical house, but it means more than that. The house was your legacy. The house was your spouse. It was your future children. The house, when we say like the house of Israel or the house of David, we're talking about a family line, a lineage, and it was a really big deal, right? So what, what is your house going to look like? Was talking about what kind of a legacy are you going to leave? And in this context, your children and your family and all this, the person you marry, who, who comes into your house, who comes into your lineage was a huge deal, okay? This is what the house means. 
Now, in ancient Israel, unless you lived in a city, everybody was given an inheritance uh, that they would have a certain amount of land allotted to them. And so when it says, when the writer of Proverbs thousands of years ago is saying, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house, he's saying, get your outside work, that your inheritance, get that field taken care of before you worry about your legacy, before you worry about your house. Now, here's another interesting thing about house is that we think house, we think it means like, you know, white picket fence, house, and a, and a you know, quarter acre lot with a two-car garage and two, 2.1 kids and so on and so forth. It looked very different in ancient Israel. In ancient Israel, your house, usually you'd add on to mom and dad's house, right? So mom and dad would have like a tent or a house. And then when you were going to uh, get married, you, they would add on, they'd get their, your part of the house and everybody lived together. So it's just like this ever-expanding thing. And then there was fields and inheritance around, Okay. So an ancient Israelite's going to hear this a lot different than we are, but I want to tell you, this is so good for us in the area of dating, and I'll explain why. So the concept of a house includes this idea of legacy, about finding your spouse, your future family, your identity, and your legacy. It's a huge deal. But the writer of Proverbs is saying, look, there's something more important than your house. Before you worry about who you're going to marry, there's something else you need to think about. You need to think about what you're going to do in the field. You need to think about planning and preparing your work in the fields. We're talking about farming. In our culture, we're all about the house first and then the field. But the wisdom principles that I'm going to give you today are the opposite of that. We're going to talk about the work in the field and then worry about the house. See, our culture says all you need is love. Find somebody that you're basically compatible with, um, get together, start dating, get married, and then you'll worry about everything else later. And then all you need is love. You know, and that's kind of how our culture is, right? Every movie, nobody in, in, our, in romantic movies is like, you know, I want to date you, but I actually need to work on my college education first. End of movie, roll credits, play the sappy music. That's not how, that's not how we think about love and romance, is it? But the, what the ancient Israelites, so what, what it's being spoken here is saying, hey, you're going to be thinking about your house. You're going to be thinking about the person you're going to marry. You're going to be thinking about the kids that you're going to have. You're going to be thinking about what's your life purpose and your legacy and all this kind of stuff. But what you need to do first is think about your fields. Why? Well, the fields are very, very important. Here's why. Your field, number one, is about your past. See, again, everybody had an inheritance. It was your family field. It wasn't just your field. It was about your past. And here, let me just throw something out there for you. Uh, those of you that are looking at pursuing dating, especially young people, maybe who've never been in a relationship or, or are looking into this, getting married for the first time, uh, your field, uh, you, the ground that you're standing on didn't come out of thin air. That's, that's your family legacy. It's an inheritance from God, from your parents, from your grandparents, and I want to ask you this question, who has helped you cultivate your life? And this will make sense as I move forward, but who has helped cultivate your life? Where did your field come from? Because those are the kind of people that you should let speak into your love life. Those that have helped cultivate your field, your inheritance, the backdrop of your friends and family and those that have spoken into your life. We do this whole romance thing in total isolation, but that's not how it's supposed to be. All right. What, what is the, the, the past? Are you honoring the past? Your field is about your past. And so you should honor God. You should honor your family in the dating process. That's not all your field is about, though. Number two, your field is about your future. And this is where I'm going to spend most of the time today. Your field is your capacity for growth. The level of your field will always determine the level of your house. So I'm going to use these two words, field and house. And here's what I mean by field. Your field is your spiritual life. 
It's your relationships. It's your education. It's your personal disciplines. It's your preparation, okay? Your field represents your future capacity, what you will prepare now in your life, the kind of person that you will be, the kind of person that you will pursue to be on a daily basis, the kind of person you will invest in yourself being, and the kind of person you're looking for. That's what we're talking about with the field. To put it into a nice, easy container, it's about your faith, it's about your finances, and it's about your future. That's what field work is, is looking, that's what field work is. So the writer of Proverbs in, in 24, 27, do your planning and prepare your fields, prepare your faith, prepare your finances, prepare your future uh, before you worry about building your house. Our culture does this the opposite way, but I want to teach you a different way to do this. Why do people shy away from field work? Why do they shy away from the preparatory work, that, that work that we should do before we move into a dating relationship? And remember, this is, we're talking about intentional dating. Okay, dating on purpose, dating with the end in mind, not just dating to, to feel good, not just dating because we're lonely, but dating for a purpose. Why do we shy away from field work? Three reasons. It's, it's hard. And anybody that's ever done any real field work, which isn't me, but anyway, you know that it's hard. So I've shied away from it. Actually, I have done some field work. I, I actually grew up on a ranch a couple years in case anybody wants to tease me for being such a hipster. Yes, I grew up on a ranch. And I remember a few times uh, also growing up, we had a field out in front of our house. And it was about an acre, maybe an acre and a quarter. And, and I had to mow that field. And there was like demonic jungle grass that grew in that field. And it was hard work. And we had a riding lawnmower for about 10 minutes. Seriously, my dad bought a riding lawnmower and it, it was used, you know, and he's like, Jake, you're going to love this. I'm like, yes, I get on it, mowed about one line. And on halfway back on the way the, down the next line, it died and it was gone. And then it was back to the hand mower. So I understand field work. I remember digging a ditch one time to get a satellite dish installed because I'm old. Anybody remember like real satellite dishes? We're not talking like Dish Network, Dish TV. No, I'm like a real satellite. And we had to dig a trench and bury this thick cable. It's hard. Field work is hard. The reason people want to run right to the house is because it's nice in the house. The air conditioning's on. It feels good, right? When you're dating and you just get, I don't need to worry about my faith. I don't need to worry about my finances. I don't need to worry about my future. I just want to date you because it's fun. Let's just watch Netflix. Let's just go eat ice cream. Let's just have fun. Let's go have coffee together. The house is clean. It's nice. People shy away from the field because it's hard. Why else do we shy away from the field? It's messy. Out in the field, it rains, it gets muddy, it's gross, it's dirty, it's icky. We don't like the field because it's messy. Field work is hard and it's messy. That's why we don't, like, we don't like it. It's not fun. Why else? Because it feels disconnected from house building. You know, it's funny when you talk this way about dating and you're like, okay, what about dating? Just go find somebody and start dating them and figure it out. No, 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 wait, wait. There's some stuff you need to do ahead of time. And it feels disconnected, doesn't it? It feels like, oh God, it's gonna take forever. I'm never gonna get married. It feels like it's taking too long. Like I'm not getting anywhere. That's why we shy away from field work. But there are no shortcuts. The, the level of life, the level of preparation you put into your field is gonna determine your future. And so I want to advocate, I want to advise you today. These are wisdom principles. Don't neglect the field. Do your planning, your prep work in the field of your life before you worry about building your house. So here's some words of wisdom. I'm going to give you five words of wisdom uh, about farming and dating. And uh, I just want to let you know, I actually was hanging out with my sister's uh, father-in-law. So her husband's father, if that's not confusing enough, uh, Tim. And Tim is a real farmer. And I got some advice about this message. So this is, yeah, this is from a real farmer. Uh, number one, looking to date, looking to be somebody who dates intentionally, you're looking for someone, number one, with dirt under their fingernails. Look for someone with dirt under their fingernails. Not actually, that's gross. Wash your hands, right? 
But what I mean here is that when you're looking to, to date someone, and parents, if you're advising your kids or you want them to, to, to have a good success in this, in this area of life, you're not looking for somebody with clean hands. You're looking for somebody with dirty hands, a little bit of dirt under the fingernails. Why? What does that mean? Because it means they've been out in the field doing some work. Any fathers of daughters like, yeah, that's right. You get out there and get some, get some dirt under your fingernails, son. Are they passionate for God? Have they invested in their faith? Does the person that you're thinking about dating, do they love Jesus more than they love you? Because if not, that's not dirt under their fingernails. Have they thought about their education? Have they been investing in their future? Have they been investing in their finances? Are they investing in their destiny? Are they just playing video games all day? You know, yeah, I just want to date you, I guess, but I'm trying to be a level seven magic user first. (laughs) Ah! No! Does the person have dirt under their fingernails? Is there evidence in their life that they've been investing in the field? Because that's who you're looking for. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, but I'm lonely. Look at those hands. Come on, what do you see there? Have they been investing in their life? That's who you're looking for. Number two, look for an ox, not a fox. You're looking for an ox, not a fox. All right, so, you know, well, man, she's hot. Yeah, she's hot, but she's not an ox. And you're like, what are you talking about, Jake? This is so weird. It sounds, well, he's a fox, but is he an ox? Listen, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion is light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Listen, Christians, it's not being detrimental to people that aren't Christians, that aren't followers of Jesus, but if you're going to pull a load together, don't be unequally yoked. See, every ancient Israelite would understand what this meant. Don't be un- unequally yoked with an unbeliever. They, they knew that a pair of oxen had to be matched so that they would pull together to plow that field. And so here's the thing. When you're talking about building a life together with somebody, again, we're not just dating to date, not just dating to satisfy a need. We're dating to get married. We're dating with purpose and intentionality. You're talking about pulling a load together, walking together, okay? And if, that, if, if, if you're just looking for a fox and you're an ox and you want to get out in the field and you want to do something with your life and that person's more interested in, in going somewhere else and doing something else, you're going to be pulling apart. And I can't tell you, it's going to feel good and be fun for a few weeks, maybe a few years, but then it's not going to be good. So look for an ox, not a fox. Doesn't mean your spouse can't be foxy. Doesn't mean they can't be attractive, but you're wanting to find shared values that you can pull in life together. Don't be unequally yoked. Shared values give you the ability to build a worthwhile life. And here's the thing. Loneliness, again, is a bad reason to get into a relationship. And a lot of people, they rush in and they ignore the red flags. And they have people in their life. Again, if you're letting your your field, that's your inheritance. If you're letting your parents and and, and leaders and mentors in your life speak in, they're going to say, actually, I think you got a fox on your hands. Yeah, they're cute, but they don't have the same values as you. This was a huge deal for us at the table, talking with my parents about, look, you're not looking for a person that has different values. My dad would, would say stuff like, you know, you're not looking for the lusty Moabite. You're not looking for a Philistine woman, son. You're looking for, that's super old school. You're looking for a woman that you can build your life with. My wife, she is a fox. Come on, hello. But She's not just a fox, she's an ox. We pull together, we have shared values. We can, we've, she's invested in the field of her life, in her faith. She's a believer. She loves Jesus way more than she loves me and thank God for that because that means when, when I'm not living up to whatever standard I need to be living up to, which happens just about every day, come on, men, 
that my wife isn't just going to throw me off because she's, she's pursuing Jesus and we're together equally yoked. Look for an ox, not a fox. Number three, this is good. It's going to help somebody. Okay, I feel like Oprah up here. You get an ox, you get an ox, you get an ox. <laughs> Number three, plant today what you want to harvest tomorrow. Plant today what you want to harvest tomorrow. Let me ask you this question. Are you the type of person that you'd want to marry? Are you investing in the field? See, it's one thing to be like, well, I'm looking for the fingernails. Are they dirty? I'm looking for my ox. I'm looking for my Boaz. And I'm looking for that person working in the field. But are you, the, are you that kind of person? Are you the kind of person that you'd want to marry? Are you investing? Are you planting the seeds in your field that you want to harvest? Because let me just tell you something. What I found is that, is that you don't, in, in very rare cases, this ever happened, that you get somebody who's way out of your league. Typically, people are going to get matched up with about the level of character and about the level of discipline and about the level of intelligence and so on and so forth. You're going to find somebody who's about like you, okay? So if you don't like you, do something about you and help that. And then you're going to probably find somebody a lot more like you, right? And guys, let me just tell you right now, becoming a level seven magic user is not the same as getting a college degree. Just because you have the highest score on call of duty doesn't mean anybody's going to call you to duty right? You might be like the hottest thing since sliced bread on Reddit bragging about how much I did such a good job. And video games are fine. Play video games. I played video games. But you know what? When it was time to do field work, I got out there and got my hands dirty. Are you becoming the kind of person that you would want to marry? Or are you not investing in your field? Okay, number four, a good farmer and a good dater got to understand the seasons. Understand the seasons. Timing is everything, right? Just like in farming, timing is everything. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. And I find this to be so misguided in our culture that we don't understand the planting time and the, and the harvest time. You know, you see people on Twitter, I'm 14 years old or, or 13 years old. I need a man. You don't need a man. You need an education. Well, I'm 15 years old and it's time for me to get, you know, get, get a girlfriend. Why? Son, you're all dressed up with nowhere to go. You can't provide for her. You can't help her. Oh man, Jake, so archaic. This is so old school. Do you realize there's a 50% divorce rate in our culture? So I think we're going to go old school. With my kids, we're going old school. My daughter, I'm 15, I want to date. Well, that's awesome. There's a nice location somewhere outside of this house where you can do that. But when you live here under my house and I pay the bills, no. All right? You know why? Because I understand seasons. I'm going to teach my kids how to understand seasons. Oh, but, but, you know, how are kids going to learn how to, how to have relationships unless they get into all these kind of dates? Let me just tell you something. You don't need to be 12, 13, 14, and have six, seven, eight relationships before you're 18 to learn about romance, get an education, get, fall passionately in love with Jesus. Come on, get a purpose in your life and then pursue God so much that all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's this person here in my life in church or something and now it's time. I'm not just all dressed up with nowhere to go. I can actually get married so we can actually have a dating relationship that goes somewhere as opposed to just leaving wreckage and broken hearts and all this kind of stuff. And, and come on, you hear what I'm saying? You gotta know the season. And you're like, oh yeah, those 14 year olds, we need to teach them. No, let me just tell you, you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s. You might not be in the right season to date how dare you tell me I'm not ready to date? I know I'm ready to date. Maybe you're not. Maybe this season for you, you need to ask this question, is a time of you and Jesus. Maybe you coming out of a divorce or a messy relationship and you're, and you're lonely or you're, you're, you're in fear. 
and you're going, oh, well, I just need to jump right into something. Let me just tell you right now, wait until the right season. Trust God and keep investing in the field and see what God will do. Come on, somebody. You know, the other thing about this is it's hard to know what season you're in. I found that it's, whenever, I never see so clearly as when I'm deceived. It's hard to know what season you're in. And that's why you got to have people around you that say, look, ask people, hey, do you think I'm in a season where I could be in a healthy relationship? Don't find somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear. Tell somebody, find somebody that's going to tell you what you need to hear. Actually, no, you're kind of a mess. <laughs> you know, you, you watch a lot of Sleepless in Seattle and just cry at night. And I think it's probably... You probably just need to take some time with you and Jesus and, and, and work in the field because God wants to give you a house. Come on. God is going to give you a great house. But get your work done in the field. Know your seasons. Understand the season. And then number five, the thing about the field is it's out in the open. It's do your field work out in the open. And here's what I mean by this. Housework is hidden. It's private. By yourself, you go in the house, nobody sees what's going on. Field work is out in the open. When we say do your planning and your preparation in the fields, what we're saying is do your, your dating, do your relationships, do your prep work out in the open, out in the light. Let other people examine your relationship. Don't just, don't just run off. It's so funny in our culture, when people get in relationships, this is what often happens. It's like you have friends, you have family, you're hanging out all the time. The minute somebody gets in a relationship, it's like, well, see you in a year, Right? This isn't how it should be. Why would you do some, one of the most important things in your life totally in secret and private where nobody that loves you can speak in and help you? Here's the other thing is that a lot of the, the bad stuff that maybe comes out of, of casual dating or you know, that maybe sexual immorality and stuff, it doesn't happen out in the light. You don't hear about a lot of teen pregnancies. Yeah, you know, they were out there in the middle of the football field at school and you know, just now there's a baby coming. Like, no, it's always in the dark. So the devil, he likes to get to us when we're in the dark. And even in our relationships, if you want to live pure, you want to do it right, you want to walk in wisdom, the field work is out in the open. If you can't be transparent with every part of your relationship before you get married, if you can't be transparent, then there's something wrong, right? See, this is some, I was in a relationship uh, for a period of time where I couldn't be transparent with my parents, couldn't be transparent with those around me, and it wasn't good. And when I, when I actually had the courage to bring it out into the light and be transparent about it, then other people could say, hey, actually, there's some red flags. I didn't like it. It wasn't comfortable. But you know what? It allowed me to get out of that relationship. And now I got my fox and my ox. Uh, she's amazing. My wife, Bethany, amazing. I wasn't going to get to what God really had for me until I got out in the open. Brought some transparency, right? So, so that's, that's the lesson here. The, the five words of wisdom. Look for someone with dirt under their fingernails. Look for an ox, not a fox. Plant today what you want to harvest tomorrow. Understand the seasons. Do your field work in the open. So how do we put this into practice? Because we're going to leave the farming behind for a second. And we're going to talk just uh, directly about dating. How do I practice intentional dating? Because this looks a little different than how people do it in culture. But I, but I think this is a good, a good principle. How do I practice intentional dating? Get your faith. That means your relationship with Jesus. Okay. Get your finances and get your future. That means your purpose and your plan. Not that you have to have everything figured out, but you need to know where you're going. Get those things settled. Get that work in the field done before you pursue a relationship. Don't do it backwards. Don't go find a relationship. That's house building. No, get your field work done first. Get your faith, your relationship with Jesus, your finances. And what do I mean by that? 
Finances doesn't mean you have to be rich. It means you, you, you need to actually have a, a, the ability to get married and not sink that submarine. You know what I mean? Um, get out of debt. Get a plan. Be, work on a budget. If you don't understand anything about money, find somebody around here that knows what they're doing with money. Just find somebody with a nice shirt on or something and be like, hey, you look like you know what you're doing. Could you help me? Uh, you know, and find somebody. Find somebody that has some gray hair and be like, how'd you get that gray hair? Because I guarantee they have some stories that will help you. Come on, get, some, get your finances in order and then know what you want to do with your life. Young men, don't be go trying to entangle a young woman's heart until you know where you're going to go in life. What is your mission? What is your purpose? Young women, same thing. Don't, don't, you're not waiting for a man to tell you what your identity is. No, ask God what your identity is. And then let an, a prince come and, and be ready to help you kill dragons. Come on. Hear what I'm saying? All right, get your faith, finances, and future settled before you pursue a relationship. When you are, and then number two, when you're in a relationship, don't, don't live it in secret. Be transparent. Part of this process is about including friends and family and mentors and living it out in the light. If you're, if you're dating now or you're getting ready to enter into a dating relationship, whether you're 15 or 50, set some physical boundaries. Set some physical boundaries. This, this seems archaic. I know it sounds like old school, but guess what? It'll help you. It'll help you. I love what Pastor Levi Lesko says. He says, God wants to help you uh, regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. Come on. Regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. Purity doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. And so, you know, maybe you've already made mistakes. There's never, that's okay. God forgives you, let's, but let's set some boundaries. Let's, let's get, get, get some, some ideas about what, where you're going and what you want to do and talk to each other. Set some physical boundaries and avoid being alone in potentially compromising situations. There's a lot of mockery in our culture. Oh, you can't be alone with women. What, do you, that, what does that mean? That means that that person is thinking about the fact that the, in the dark is where stuff happens, not in the light. And so Bethany and I, we have boundaries, not in our relationship. You're like, whoa, that's weird. No, we have boundaries in our relationships with members of the opposite sex. Not because I think that she's unfaithful or she thinks I'm unfaithful. It's because we are faithful or full of faith to each other and we want to be wise. Come on. Pride comes before a fall. I mean, we know this stuff, right? Humility says, I'm a human being. I, I could make mistakes, but I'm going to set some boundaries and help myself win in this area. All right. And then last, we want to begin with the end in mind. And this is huge. Intentional dating is not just dating to date. It's not just dating to fulfill some felt need. We're dating for marriage. If you're in a dating relationship and you don't intend to get married, disentangle. What does that mean? It means break up. Disentangle. Why, why are you selfishly holding on to someone emotionally or physically or in any way that you don't intend to be committed to? That's not God's kind of love. That's self-serving. It's not serving the other person. And you're like, oh man, that's so harsh. It, it, is, it is harsh, but it's more harsh to, to hold somebody captive emotionally, right? And we know what this means, don't we? Well, I don't ever intend to marry her, but I like, the, I like how I feel. I like how she makes me feel. That's selfish. Oh, I don't intend to marry him or whatever. No, get out of that. Never stay in a relationship for selfish reasons. Date to marry. Don't date to date. And you go, okay, how does that process look? Well, here's what I would say. Our culture, people date and get engaged and it's like this five, six, 10, eight-year process. I don't understand that at all. Um, about a year is a great time. About a year to, to meet somebody. Hey, I, I think, you know, observe their life. Um, you know, three to six months of dating, three to six months of engagement, maybe a year, two years, 
We don't need five, 10 years to, to know somebody. If, you're, if God brings the right person in your life and, you, and they've been out in the field and they got dirt under their fingernails and you got dirt under the, your fingernails, get married and then move forward together, plowing that field together, all right? 